what I'm trying to get people to see is that every act on this planet is creation. Like we couldn't have the trees without creation. We couldn't have cars without creation. Like every single moment, like you think about it, just stop now and think, okay, after this podcast, I feel hungry. So I'm going to go and, oh, I've got pancakes. Now it's like, you're going to do things to create that outcome. Mm -hmm. You're going to walk to the pantry. You're going to get the thing out. And it's like, so if that's the case and you're creating at every moment, it's like, okay, well, why not choose very intentionally what you want to create and how you want to be in the creation? Are you going to have fun making the pancakes? Are you going to make some pancakes that are different? And I want people to really understand that you can come up with any definition for anything that you want. And I would actually encourage you to go beyond definitions because definitions themselves are limiting. What I'm trying to do is get people to live beyond definition and come back to their creative powers because literally their whole life, every single thing that they do is a piece of art because art to me is just creation from essence of who you are. Hey guys, welcome to the Blue Rose Podcast, where the focus is moving towards things that feel good. Every week, we explore different topics in outdoors, travel, balance, wellness, with the common theme of following your passions. Join me, your host, as I share stories from all over the world. This podcast is all about embracing new experiences and turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. Uh, well, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell us yeah. a little bit about yourself. Well, my name's Cody Matheson Packer. Um, I'm originally from New Zealand. I live in Austin, Texas. I was gifted um, a stutter at the age of two, and that has kind of opened up the trajectory of my life with like a journey of going through like a lot of adversity and um, realizing like when I was younger growing up I was always asking why like why do I have this voice that's so you know unique and I was getting like bullied about it and other people were like why do you speak like that and internally I was kind of asking those questions too and always at kind of war with it and now it's kind of become the greatest gift of mine so I really just kind of lead with it and um, I do work all over the world like I'm a global uh, stuttering advocate for kids and adults um, I'm a transformational guide helping guide people to find you know, their own voice and their own expression in the way that they've been gifted with not like trying to imitate others it's like no who are you at your you know who are you at your deepest level and at your joy and in your love and in your expression and then on top of that, I have my own podcast called the Artist Redefined Podcast, um, and that is a that's a podcast that was created out of wanting to redefine this term artist and how we've been told what an artist is for years that you have to go to school and be an artist and you have to study and this and that, and I just think that's not true. My podcast is exploring the fact that we are all artists, like we're all creating our lives at every single moment with every action, with every thought, every you know, every decision we make and that my, um, my mission is to inspire everyone to be the artist of their own lives and get really intentional and playful and creative with like, what life are you actually creating 
on this beautiful blank canvas that you have which can change at any moment and can evolve at any second and you can put as many colors on it as you want that represent you so that's kind of you know all of my mission kind of like all tied up it's about helping people really just truly express themselves and actually have fun with the game of life rather than it being this serious kind of like rat race like we're being told it has to be Mm -hmm. yeah and I'm curious so when did you start to become the the artist of your own life when was the moment that you found this creativity as a kid and then I'm assuming Mm. somewhere in there maybe you lost it and then you found it again that's a great question um I've always since a really young age I've played in my imagination like from yeah the youngest age I was really into sports I was really into movies I was really into acting so all of these realms even at home I would just play in my own imaginary worlds and create worlds within worlds in my mind and just I'd be you know pretending I was in a sports stadium across the other side of the world pretending I was in a movie pretending I was so from a young age I was very very creative with my imagination and you know as I grew up um, I kind of harnessed these you know I harnessed these powers into um, wanting to become a film director so that was like a huge part of my life was training to do that learning to make you know movies in my backyard then actually doing them for real going to school for it um being an actor for a long time in school plays musicals and then on top of that being creative with just you know my life I think from a young age I realized that these powers we have with our imagination to actually be able to bring things into reality so I've always been a very visual person that is like oh if I can think something and imagine it up then it can become true because that's the way the world works mm-hmm. um it's just we 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 don't really get educated about this in school we just kind of have to work it out on our own and I think everyone has their own powers and it was probably around the age of 23 to 25 that I kind of lost touch with this I went out of school in America after being a film director I went into a ad agency and worked in you know the corporate world and I never really truly worked in the corporate world and over two or three years working as a as you know like a commercial director for doing advertisements in this very big global ad studio my creativity got sucked out of me because in that environment you were more of an executor and a yes man than an actual like you were not really expressing yourself so mm-hmm. I got married around that time too and um it kind of, there was this ocean I was swimming in with like getting a visa that was really, you know, anxiety ridden at the time. And then this new job that wasn't really lighting me up. And I just kind of lost, lost touch with a lot of parts of who I was through that period. There was some great memories. And then um, it wasn't until uh, when I was about 27 in the space of two days, uh, I got laid off from my job. I lost my job. So all my security was gone. And then two days later, I found out that my wife at the time had cheated on me. So we parted ways. So that was what you would call the, you know, the grand awakening, the, you know, like the moment of opportunity where everything was pulled away from me. And I was able to actually reconnect really deeply with myself. And that's when I started to realize, oh, you've been disconnected from a lot of these 
true essence parts of yourself because you've been putting everyone else's needs before yours and so that was the journey back home and that's where it's kind of amplified from there is that that process I went through was truly one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given because although it looked like my life was falling apart and crumbling and I was in an extreme amount of pain it was you know it was really taking me there to be able to look at my life from a different perspective and then build it back up the way that I really wanted to that was connected to me. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been in the States then? So I was in the States for, for about seven years when I first came over. Uh, I went to Chicago to study film directing, uh, which I did for a couple of years, then got the ad job. And then after I split with my wife, I moved to LA for a year. And then that took us to the start of the pandemic. Okay. Start of the pandemic, I moved back to New Zealand for two years. And then uh, last year in June, I moved back over. Uh, I came to some retreats in Austin. There was a retreat I came to called Awaken the Artist Within. With now a, uh, you know, he's a very close um, leadership mentor of mine. His name is Garen Jones. And that kind of reactivated also my artist inside and then really put me on this path of like, oh, I, I remember all these parts of me. And, um, now, now you have what you have with my podcast and um, me kind of stepping into my own leadership and, you know, like working with people over the world in groups and one-on-one and in retreats. And um, yeah, it's just kind of starting. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you, so do you think that somewhere along the line you started making decisions that you knew weren't aligned? Or do you think this whole time you were unaware that you were making these decisions? Because I think they kind of snowball. Like if you start to make decisions that aren't aligned with yourself, it just leads to another and another. And so do you think we're aware of that? Or do you think that you were just completely unaware? That's a really good question because I think it was almost like, so the way I look at it, right? Even when things, when you look back and just say like, oh, all those decisions that led me to the dark place were out of alignment, right? At the at the time, from the perspective of, of Cody at the time, all the resources and awareness that he had available to him at that stage, those were the best decisions that he could have made because they were the ones that he did make, right? So mm-hmm. looking back on my perspective now, yeah, maybe from my perspective now they weren't in alignment, but I would actually argue they were all perfectly in alignment because I needed to go through all of those lessons in order to bring me to where I am now. Like if I didn't have that loss of creativity and loss of identity and like confusion of just like, you know, I think there's like we're sold a really big lie in this world personally that the whole idea of going to a nine to five job, having the 401k, having the healthcare and all this stuff is like, it's, it's you know, that's the security blanket. And for a lot of people, but for me, like when I was in there, for me, it was like a trap. I wasn't able to leave my comfort zone because it was just so easy. I knew when I was getting paid, I, I, you know, I barely had to work for my money. And then it just made me really like dumbed down and not determined. So for me, that environment was not, you know, kind of conducive to growth and me being in my complete expression. But I needed to experience all that so I could actually be like I don't want that 
this isn't for me and it could bring me away from myself to bring me back. So I think in answer to your question, everything is always in perfect alignment because whatever force outside of me, which I call my highest health, was probably like, oh, okay, we need to put Cody through this journey for a bit in order for him to come back and then really like elevate and come back to himself. So I, I believe it was all in alignment in a weird way, even though it was, you know, parts of it were really painful and challenging. Yeah, I mean, when you're in those moments, they don't feel good, but it does kind of, it makes sense though to be like, okay, I need to be, like almost in a way, I feel like everyone along the line loses who they are and then they have to have this moment. I guess that's why they call it an awakening. Like you have to have this moment of, wait, what am I even doing? Like, why, <laughs> why am I here? And then this opportunity to kind of change that. So it seems like your opportunity to kind of change this was though this this divorce, this mm. job loss. And so I'm wondering how do you kind of come back from that though? Because because <laughs> I'm just I'm not no no but like in, in a way of like some people wouldn't, you know, see that as a gift. Like you called it a gift and some people wouldn't see that as a gift and they wouldn't wake mm. up the next day and be like, "Okay, this is like an extreme opportunity for me they would see it as like why is the world doing this to me mm, yep i just want people to know as well whoever's listening i was asking those questions when i was in it i was the first mm -hmm. two or three months i was literally just waking up every day and crying on my floor being like where has my life gone i want people to know that like i had this vision in my mind and what i learned in that moment is that safety is an illusion Okay, so everything that I had in my mind, this idea of my future, and it was just pulled away from me in the matter of a day or two, okay? So in that moment, even though it brought up a lot of pain, after the month or two where I was just going through it and being like, why me, why me? That's where, that's where the space opened up. And a lot of people, I just want to be clear, a lot of people, because humans by our nature, they want to be in the knowing, you know, that scary place of the unknown is just a place a lot of people don't play in. And anyone listening, I just want you to know that is the place where the magic happens. Because I stayed in that unknown for a couple of months, and that's when it started to speak to me. And a lot of people just quickly, like, either go get another girlfriend, go to alcohol, try to move, and just completely avoid that area of extreme discomfort where it's like that's part of the grieving process you know, and that's when I could really get really honest with myself and it was a really raw place and I call it the gap. It's the gap between the known and the unknown. It's like the void. And then that's when it starts to speak to you. And most people skip over that and they skip over the lessons and then what normally happens is they get down the line two, three, four months and they're carrying all that unresolved emotions with them and they'll just attract the identical situation with, with different people because they didn't learn the lesson. The way I look at life is it's like a game or it's a movie. Your character is going along this journey and in all, and, and all movies, a character has to lose, go to that dark night of the soul in order to conquer it and go up to the hero moment, right? Mm -hmm. Now, no characters in movies run away from that. They run into it. So we have to remember our life is just like a movie as well and a game. So the more we run away from our hero's journey, the actually more we're running away from the lessons and the opportunity to grow and conquer something. So 
after the two months of really being in it and being like, why me? Then the question started to shift to me is like, oh, what could this journey, my hero's journey, be trying to teach me? What is this trying to get me to run into rather than run away from? And then it was clear as day to me. I was like, oh, when I really get honest with myself, I wasn't happy with my job. I wasn't really happy in my relationship. I had really little friends because this environment and this all these decisions had you know kind of consumed my creativity and my expression and really kind of closed me off so then that's when I started to see oh this is why that's this is why this is happening it's trying to help me bring it's trying to help bring me home to all of the stuff that I really love about myself and also what do I want to build my life around so that was kind of the process it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't immediately i clicked into like oh it was a gift but when i started to make that change everything i was perceiving was happening to weigh me down was all of a sudden i was perceiving it as like oh this is all trying to help me into a future that hasn't happened yet into that next part of the movie that where it goes up into the climax of the hero's journey and you know he goes on another journey so Mm -hmm. that's just how I kind of that little perspective shift made me look at everything it wasn't happening to me it was happening for me and that was a big distinction so then I could work with life rather than try and fight against the reality that was just like in front of me that I couldn't argue with Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I mean, sitting in the discomfort is not, it's not easy. I'm curious, so I've, I've recently kind of gone through this moment of, you know, I, I don't know, and it was, it's stressful, and it's painful, and I have spent, like, weeks just by myself, like, sitting in it, you know, instead of, you know, trying to, like, like you're saying, like, we want to reach for TV, or we want to reach for something to kind of numb this out. And so for most of that time that you were kind of going through this and realizing that this is a gift, was it hard for you to not reach for those things that you knew would give you pleasure immediately? Oh, that's a really good question. First of all, congratulations <laughs> for doing what 99% of people don't Thank do. You. <laughs> so you should give yourself a pat on the back for Thank that. Um, was it hard? No, for me, it really wasn't because this was, this was so out of the blue. This was such a shock to my body and my mind and my spirit mm-hmm. that it was almost like I was lying on the floor completely naked. That's what it felt like. And I was just in this black void. So to me, where I was, there was no there was no possibilities of distractions. It was just like, you are literally at a place of rebirth. Like, you better roll up your sleeves and just be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had friends around me who were really supportive. But also, I was in an emotional state where I felt just so low on energy and so lethargic and so beat up that, you know, occasionally I would, you know, reach for TVs or movies, which has been in my escape, you know, get into the imagination zone. But even then, I noticed I was just doing it to have noise on. And then so it would bring me back and I'd be like, okay. You're not actually consuming this. You're not actually engaging in this. So why don't you come back and 
be with yourself and actually just engage here. So for me, because it was so jarring and because it was so like, whoa, mm-hmm. I, I think it just kind of really put me in a place of like, hey, like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, <laughs> you know? And I, I didn't really have the energy to do much else. It was a very, very low time. And then, but also a very intimate time to get to know me. And all the times I'd put my needs outside of myself, this was a time to get to know me. And I was learning about patterns and I was learning about habits and I was learning about ways that I viewed myself and I was reading books and I was listening to things. Um, But I was also spending large periods of time just in silence, either crying or just reflecting because that's what needed to happen. I needed to honor those emotions that needed to move. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's really challenging, but I always look at it this way for anyone that struggles with the discomfort, especially if they're going through anything really challengingly, you know, like emotionally or big life transitions, if you hold on to your emotions, first of all, emotions are energy emotion. So their natural state is they want to move. Okay. So emotions I look at emotions like little kids, okay? And it's very important that you try and find a way to connect with your emotions in a way that's, um, is, you know, kind of good for you, personable for you. Because I believe like we, a lot of us avoid our emotions because they're these big stigmas that we're being told that there's good and bad ones. And then so we avoid some and then chase the others. <clears throat> and it puts us in this eternal loop of like, you know, wanting to avoid a lot of our own experience. I don't think emotions are good and bad. I just think they are. All of them are just, they just are. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I view my emotions like little kids. So like when I was going through that tremendous heartbreak, there was a lot of sadness and anger. So I would look at those as they were, as if they were just little kids. And everyone can probably relate to this is, Everyone probably had that kid in class that would be in the corner away from the group and just play on their own. Mm -hmm. And that's how I view my emotions, the ones that are more challenging for me to deal with. So when anger and sadness came up, I looked at them like those little kids in the corner of the classroom that wanted to be a part of the group of everyone playing, but they were maybe too shy or they weren't welcomed. And then you just got to think about it. What do those little kids in the corner of the classroom want more than anything else? A friend. Support. A friend. Exactly. So it's our job to support these emotions. Because if we don't, they will feel isolated. They will, they will increase in anger. And they will want to, like kids do, get your attention. And they'll want to play up. And they'll want to really make sure they're noticed. So I treat them like those little kids and I go over to them and I say like, hey, like, what have you, you know, what have you got to tell me? Like, why are you over here? And I just imagine myself giving them a hug and then I just listen to them because all emotions are messengers. They're trying to tell you something. So, you know, at that moment, my sadness, you know, was trying to communicate to me that I felt really betrayed. I felt really hurt. I felt very upset that a person that I trusted would do this to me. And then my anger was telling me that, I was angry that I didn't get angry at her when I found out I played, I was really nice. My anger also told me that I was really, really angry at her for doing that to me. Um, And then I pulled them over to the other group 
and I welcomed them and I just asked some questions and got curious with them. And then all of a sudden they wanted to cry and they wanted to release because their energy emotion, they wanted to move. And then I just made the space, put on some music and just let myself feel those emotions. Like the little kids want to be part of the group and be included and given their time to express themselves. So that's the way emotions express themselves normally in the form of releasing or, you know, just talking to you and telling you how they feel so you can get more information about what's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. You seem to be in a relationship with your emotions. You know, you seem to have like conversations with them and ask them questions. And do you think curiosity kind of plays a role in that? Like, what do you think, like if you didn't have that curiosity, where do you think that would go? Oh yeah, curiosity is the number one, right? Because curiosity is the main energy that kids hold, Mm -hmm. right? Kids are always so curious about everything. And the moment we can get into curiosity, we're actually actually getting beyond the adult that wants to rationalize and make things logical and ask the why questions or how do I make these go away? And kids are just curious to know why things are going on. You know, they don't judge, they don't put labels on things. So that's why curiosity for me, and it's a practice, like I don't want to pretend that this is easy for me. This has been an ongoing and still is an ongoing practice. There, you know, there are days where I'm just like, fuck being curious. I don't want to be curious, <laughs> like, you know, but then I, I eventually get there. But um, curiosity to me is one of the main ingredients in being able to look at it from a place of non-judgment and also where you're wanting to kind of explore and go into and and listen to them and be open to maybe hearing something that oh that's a bit challenging to hear but because you're curious you're not you're in that kind of child mind you would never judge Mm -hmm. it you know because kids are just there to ask questions and like explore you know like very little times do kids actually really be like why you you know like you should go away and you know like there are kids like that but kids in their curiosity don't generally do that you know they're just wanting to know like why it is and maybe how I can help yeah or like how can I have fun with you and play with you or how can I you know so to me it's just that is a big part of when I talk about being the artist of your own life, this is where we can be creative, right? We can either look at our emotions and avoid them and just be like, no, I don't want to deal with that. To me, that's not being very creative. That's being actually, um, you know, like dismissive. Curiosity is creative because you're like, oh, I'm open to just engaging with this. And, you, you know, you might even get playful of like how you do it and how you talk to them. And... You know, we've all got that inner voice inside of us, the what I call the inner critic, which is our ego too. And you can get creative with the way that you talk to that person inside of you when they're trying to get you to stop doing something you're afraid of or when you're about to take that big step forward into something exciting. They're like, oh, wait, but what if it goes wrong? You know, giving that person inside you a name and getting creative with how you talk to them. So it creates a gap where it's not you. It's this other thing you can kind of talk to and be like, oh, um, Melinda, like, you stop it, you know? like, yeah. And then you can bring in, like, a kind of a playful energy and creativity to it where it's not so 
curious and then you can actually create some space and observation to what's going on rather than just buy into everything going on inside of you that normally leads you to not expressing yourself or not doing something that's on your heart because then the mind kicks in. Yeah, that's funny because it is like a choice and there are some days where you're just like, could you just go away and I just, I don't want to be aware of my emotions today. I just want to be like a normal person with no emotional awareness at all. (laughs) Well, maybe not normal, but (laughs) it's just funny that you say that. Um, I'm curious though, kind of getting back to maybe more a little bit of your childhood. I'm curious how, I guess, curiosity played a role in you as a child kind of understanding your voice and how you kind of came to accept that and use it as an empowering tool rather than fearing Mm. it. So I think initially when I was younger, I've watched home videos of me when I started to realize I had this, um, this stutter Mm. and you could see there was a part of me, I was like split in half. There was a part of me that was a little bit embarrassed of it. Mm Of like, oh, what what is going on here? I don't I don't really like that. And then the other part of me is like, oh wait, what what? I don't sound like other people, you know. So my curiosity with my voice was uh, it took me honestly. If I'm being really honest, I think with my voice when I was growing up through being young to when I was like a teenager, I think I had the least curiosity in that area of my life. I was super curious in all other areas, but what what I, what I want to tell you about is when I was going through school, I would play, talk about imagination and movies, I would play things in my head before I went to school of like me knowing that I was going to have to read aloud at school that day or I'd have to read my name on the roll call and my name was the big thing that I blocked and stuttered on. Um, so I would play these movies in my head and I would actually make them come true mm-hmm. because like anything that we imagine, your brain doesn't know the difference between a thought or an experience. So before I even went to school, my body and my mind was having the experience of me screwing up, being bullied before it even happened. Then when I went to school, that energy carried into the classroom and I would just get bullied and the, the event would play out. So I was like, I didn't know at the time, but I was reverse using my imagination powers mm-hmm. on myself. And so over the years, my mom, you know, she she really loved me. And so she was like, I, I want to get you a lot of help, right? And that was just her, you know, maternal instinct of like, oh, you know, I'm tired of you coming home from school saying you're bullied or just getting seen me try and order food on the phone or talk to her and I couldn't get my words out. So I did every every sort of therapy on earth. Talk therapy, speech therapy, art therapy, hypnotherapy. I went to a workshop in Australia that was a breathing and speaking workshop that was one of the worst things I think I've ever been to. But all of these modules... And all of these, sorry, all of these modalities I went to at the time, they the only education they had available was to try and get me to speak fluently, which was not natural to me, right? So they were giving me techniques and they're basically all telling me that you have a problem, Cody, there's something wrong with you and we're going to fix you. So internally that created a, you know, like a belief that I'm broken, I'm not good enough. So I naturally resisted all this help because I didn't want to believe that there was something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So the curiosity just was never there. Okay, so it wasn't until 
I was about 22 and I just got into America and I was at film school that I was like, you know what? I want to make a short film about this and just kind of explore it a little bit. And I was still a little bit reserved about it. I wasn't completely open about it. There were still parts of it I was still hiding, but I thought it would be a good way to just kind of process a bit of it. And that was where the curiosity started to open up and these people started to come into my life and were like, oh, Cody, like, that's really cool film. Cody, you should speak about this more. And I was like, eh, maybe. And then over the course of my marriage, I started getting more curious about it. And I started writing a longer film about it, like a two hour film about it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I could actually, yeah, I think this is a, you know, a big part of my story. But the, you know, the movie I'd written was all just angsty about my childhood being so challenging with the stutter. It wasn't really empowering. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting. And what was in there was stuff around me trying to find fluency, which I didn't really, it never really resonated with me because it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a natural mode of speaking to me. Then the curiosity peaked was when I got divorced and there was an opportunity. I had just started kind of talking to an organization in America called Camp Say, which is the Stuttering Association for the Young. And they have a camp every year in New York for 200 kids who all stutter and a lot of the staff there, um, you know, also do as well. So I was like, hmm, okay, I'm gonna put my name down. And then right after I got divorced, they basically called me and were like, hey, we'd love you to be on the team. And I was like, well, I have nothing else going on. And there was a big part of me that was really, really nervous because the last time I went to an environment like this was the breathing workshop and it was terrible. Mm -hmm. So my inner voice was like, don't go there. It's gonna traumatize you again and this and this. But then there was the child in me that was like, no, like go. like." the curiosity opened up and I just said yes and I went along and that that was the that was the weekend the the two weeks there that was the opening to back to and bringing back to my power because the environment there was just so yeah the environment at the camp was just so loving and welcoming and their whole ethos was that we will accept each and every one of you as you are you have the permission to speak however you want to speak here and we will not interrupt you we'll wait for you we're not going to try and tell you that you need to speak fluently and you know everyone has a varying degree of how they stutter there's a lot of kids that will take i'm not kidding you anywhere between three to ten minutes to say their name and ask like how how you are and you know kids can get really stuck on some letters so this was a being around 200 mirrors of different stages of what I've been through. And it was asking me to accept all of it and myself. Because when I, the first day or two I was there, I was really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It was like looking at all the parts of me I've never loved. I've never like given the time of day for. I'd always been embarrassed about. And then over the two weeks, I found my voice and my power. And I just loved every single one of these people there that were just letting each other be who they really are and then I got to be who I really was and I got to meet myself for the first time fully and then on the last night by the lake we were doing this ceremony with these lanterns and we we're putting all these lanterns out onto the lake and I was one of the last people there and I just remember this moment where I was reading everyone's lanterns with their memories on it um, and I just kind of shrunk down. I had this out-of-body experience. I shrunk down 
to that of a, like a little boy. And then I just remember seeing this little kid walk up next to me and it was me. And he just walked up to me and grabbed my hand and he said, you don't have to be scared anymore. It's, you can you can use your voice now. And I just cried probably for like 30 minutes. It was just like releasing all of the stuff that I'd like held on to that I'd never like loved about myself and all the times that I'd closed my voice down and hid from myself. And I was just, he was basically telling me like, how you are is perfect. Don't change a thing and use your voice. Don't hide from it. And I was just able to release all of that shame and the guilt and the embarrassment and all the kind of closing off. And then from that moment, I left there and I started speaking about my stuttering, speaking to kids and adults over the world, and then started to do stuff with my voice again. And that led me to obviously running retreats and helping people and wanting to serve and now having a podcast like leading with my voice and it's it's just a it's not a thing I worry about anymore like even on here like I, I it, you know it doesn't even bother me that I am stuttering it just it just is it's like part of me. yeah yeah well as it as it should be I mean um that's that's a beautiful story and just so touching just like the image of you know you with all of these these kids and you being like that that was me like this is all of the me's that I never accepted so in that moment did you have a hard time accepting them at all because you said that like you were really uncomfortable and so when you saw them it's I think it's interesting you know that you say that your mom obviously she loves you and like wanted to help you but as moms do you know they're they like to fix and like that's their way of thinking that they're gonna help so it's society too of like we need to fix them in order that and that's us helping them um so I'm wondering like at this camp right you're not trying to fix these kids you're just trying to give them a comfortable space so I guess like was there a point where you were like I need to fix them like what did that come across your mind no. no okay yeah it was the opposite actually it was just like wow I'm really being invited here to love every single detail about everyone Mm -hmm. and then in turn loving every single detail about myself and the only thing that was uncomfortable for me the first two days was standing in the presence of a person that is taking a, a long time stuttering over their words and just looking them in the eyes and just being present with them because I had never given myself the space to freely stutter in the way that that person was in front Mm -hmm. of me most of my life so it was it was looking at the part of me that wanted to come out that was natural but that i'd hidden for a long that's why it was uncomfortable i wasn't uncomfortable because of the people it was looking at that part of myself that i had hidden and then once i once i got you know kind of comfortable with that and like was just like oh okay that's what this is I was able to just start to look at everything around me of just with just such love and hearing these kids just speak about like their emotions at the age of like five and you know because a lot of them have a lot of anger around their voice and a lot of anger or frustration around like like I did but they have an outlet there they have these mentors and role models where they're asking like hey what is your how does your anger want to be expressed now do you want to write a poem do you want to scribble you know, maybe some of the kids wanted to hit other kids and take it out. And they were kind of educating the kids of like, it's okay to have that anger, but can you speak to me about mm. it rather than take it? Cause it's not, you don't want to take it onto someone else. And we were not only, we were educating them on 
healthily healthy ways to express emotions we were letting them know it was okay to be human in their fullness like it was okay to be frustrated about a thing that is frustrating like we weren't trying to tell them like hey don't feel frustrated we'll give you some techniques to you know to make you feel better yeah and that's that's pretty empowering from a young age just being taught how to deal with your emotions because oftentimes you know especially in school you're just taught that it's not okay to be angry that this kid just was super mean to me I just have to go back to my corner and I'm just like but that's not okay so I think I think that's pretty that's pretty amazing too and you're kind of giving these kids a way to not I guess we all have this idea of like who we we should be and like how we should speak how we should look um and I guess you're just Mm -hmm. kind of giving them a way to be like like you're perfect the way you are there's no idea of what you should be like your voice is your voice and like that that's what it is like and it's okay it's yeah that that's totally that it's it's meeting them where they're at not where they wish they were and that's a thing that I've taken into all the work that I do you know even you know in my transformational guiding I work with people with their lives and at retreats my number one ethos is just meeting a person where they're at there's nothing more powerful without a lens just with complete deep listening love and compassion of just hearing their reality really deeply without trying to put anything on top of it Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the powerful one of the most powerful tools we can teach other human beings is to deeply listen to another person's experience without putting our lens in our way we see things on top of theirs but by realizing that what they're opening up about, it's got nothing to do with us. So we can take us out of the equation. If it's if it's obviously, you know, like directed at me, I can still listen to their reality without my lens on. And then when I'm ready to respond, I can put my lens on. But when we're listening, it's so it's so important that we just listen from a place of trying to understand rather than trying to respond. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned at this camp was that people were just listening to me and people were just listening to each other and we were able to deeply connect in a really powerful way. And then, and you know, these kids were able to leave feeling like warriors and kings, you know, going back to their schools where it's a tough environment for them to be in. But they, you know, they, at the camp, a lot of them are crying on the last day saying like, why can't this just be every day of the year? Like, why can't this exist like now I have to go back and I have to get bullied and I have to, you know, and I really feel for them. But also that is part of their natural alignment. Like them growing up as men and women, they, kids need adversity. So in, in a lot of ways, I think even that, if you talk about alignment, is perfect. They get their two weeks a year where they are really getting to learn about themselves and express themselves and be heard. And then they go back to school and they get a different type of challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, they're probably called to be in their expression despite what's around them. But even, even the stuff happening around them, that is going to help them down the line. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that adversity, it, it sharpens, you know, people, It, it strengthens people ultimately. And I think when we run from adversity or when we run from discomfort, we're running away from potential growth and potential 
um, evolution into our purpose because I think some of the greatest things that we can accomplish always come from pain like you know our greatness I believe leaves clues it's like again life's a game you know if you think about what makes you great I guarantee you a lot of your lessons of learning what makes you unique and great would probably come from really challenging times mm-hmm. yeah and so that's where we learn that's where we grow that's where we and so it's like we had to be open to these times and not avoid them because ultimately they're part of the roller coaster of life you can't have the ups without the downs that is yeah that is true but but it is quite easy i think to maybe not for you or maybe not for me well I actually I don't want to say it's easy because you know sitting in discomfort is never easy but it's also like (laughs) but going back to the comfort you know is it is easy like retreating is easy um to an extent and so how how do you teach these kids how do you teach yourself especially kids when things do get hard it it is so natural to be like I just want to go hibernate in my comfortable little corner um so like how do you not retreat back to that do you have Wow. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just tools. Like tools. Yeah, tools. <laughs> yeah. That took a second. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question and I've this again, this is an ongoing practice over time. You know, with the kids at the camps, we teach them to stay in it and get curious, use art as a means of alchemy and expression whether it be drawing, painting, acting, whatever way to express it and release it. So there's that. And and it's also okay if kids don't want to do that. Like not everyone can do that, you know? So it's like, it's really just getting curious and helping them honor what is, uh, what is alive for them, okay? And then for me, at least, it's like, it is very easy to go back to your comfort, okay? But what i say is the more time you spend in discomfort your actual perception of comfort changes Mm. so the comfort you will be going back to will be changing because you're changing so it's like if you're not evolving your comfort zone will stay identical if you're evolving your level of comfort will just change Right, and I believe the comfort zone is where dreams go to die. Like I stand by that statement. I just think dreams are so it's so hard to bring them alive when you're just only worried about being comfortable. Because it will on the path to greatness and to achieving any sort of dream, there are going to be challenges. It is going to be a hero's journey because the universe is gonna test you and how much you want it. You know, if it was easy, the world would be a very boring place. And I think for me, my practices are voluntary discomfort. This is an idea that I want to introduce to everyone. It's voluntarily, intentionally putting yourself in discomfort so you normalize yourself to it. Okay, so what that looks like for me is carving out times to do 20 minutes of meditation every day in complete stillness with no guiding silence so you are literally with yourself and just start by asking like 
what do I want to learn about myself today? Or what wants to, what wants to present itself and just sit and practice? It's going to suck. And then for a, for a bit, and this is a thing, it's not to avoid your thoughts. It's not to quieten your thoughts down. Meditation is an art of being with what is. A lot of people think it's a thing to remove the thoughts and just come to a state of no thought and peacefulness. That is effort. And if you try to do that, you're going to make resistance. And then everyone gets that excuse of like, I tried it. It didn't work for me because I couldn't stop my thinking. It's not about that. It's being with what thoughts are present in observation. Mm -hmm. And that is meditation. So like another thing I do is just look at what am I avoiding at the moment? whether it be an activity or any sort of emotions. And then, okay, I'm avoiding that. Okay, I'm carving out time to journal about it or I'm carving out time to um, bring it into my meditation. Uh, also, voluntary discomfort looks like going in ice baths for me. Okay? Uh, that is a place where not many people want to hang out. It's a place where you can also find extreme peace and connection to your breath and your body and see where trauma and stuff is stored in your body but also it's just a fun game to play where it's like oh let's see where i start and let's see in a month's time if i commit to this how i can progress and it can be a little game and it can also i mean it has outrageous health benefits and yeah on top of that with the involuntary discomfort it's like putting yourself in environments that you normally wouldn't like i've you know for three or four months i took up jujitsu I've never done a combat in my whole life. It super, was super uncomfortable for me. Uh, I, I, I've avoided being around men, like strong men for a lot of time. So um, that was a really big one for me, but I came out of it a whole different man, whole different man. So I just want people to understand that that is where, if you do it voluntarily and intentionally, it creates it from a place of safety. So that is the key to when you're doing it is so you can come from a really grounded place. You're essentially implementing art in a way that we don't normally see it into your daily life. Like, I mean, you're, you're talking mm -hmm. that you have the Artist Redefined podcast. You're talking about how it's the way we choose to live our lives the way we design our lives so for people that think that art is limited to you know music or drawing or something like that because i know that i am not a good artist like i if that is what art is i am not a good artist so how do you step into this life of creativity when you don't think that you're an artist it's a great question it's it's realizing that those definitions are only letters placed in front of each other to make a bunch of words. When you really look at it that way, it's like, to me, a definition is so limiting because if you look at the essence behind art, it is the form of a creation. If it's painting, if it's sculpting from traditional art, it's a creation. Mm -hmm. What I'm trying to get people to see is that every act on this planet is creation. Like we couldn't have the trees without creation. We couldn't have 
cars without creation like every single moment like you think about it just stop now and think okay after this podcast i feel hungry so i'm going to go and oh i've got pancakes now it's like you're going to do things to create that outcome mm -hmm. you're going to walk to the pantry you're going to get the thing out and it's like so if that's the case and you're creating at every moment it's like okay well why not choose very intentionally what you want to create and how you want to be in the creation are you going to have fun making the pancakes are you going to make some pancakes that are different and i want people to really understand that you can come up with any definition for anything that you want and i would actually encourage you to go beyond definitions because definitions themselves are limiting what i'm trying to do is get people to live beyond definition and come back to their creative powers because literally their whole life every single thing that they do is a piece of art because art to me is just creation from essence of who you are it really art comes from the heart mm -hmm. And that's why the word art is in the word heart. So that's why I think it's like anything connected to your heart is art. And it's like, if you don't think you're creative, I want to challenge everyone out there. You put on clothes every day. You chose what your wardrobe looks like. I mean, that's just baseline creation, creativity. And, you know, you choose how to style your hair. That's creative. You choose what, how you walk. You choose what sports you play you choose what shows you watch all these things all these actions are designing this canvas of how your life looks like think about it really think about this if you woke up tomorrow and you just decided oh i am going to drive for three hours to a lake and i'm going to jump in and then i'm going to go climb a mountain those are decisions that would make your canvas of your life look completely different than if you were to just like go into work mm -hmm. every single thing is a choice and is a creative choice so if we're living these lives a lot of a lot of what i believe is that the way society works is it's trying to tell us how to live because it's so structured and it also a lot of people gain from telling us how to live from telling us to take what you know what drugs to take what food to eat that is more processed so it makes us take some drugs so they people make money uh, tell us that artists are only for an exclusive amount of people think about that how many people that disempowers like you even mentioned in it oh well i'm not a sculptor and if that's the definition of an artist i can't do yeah. that well to me if you can put a brush into a thing with some color and put it <laughs> Have you seen some people's artwork that goes for like millions of dollars? Literally someone just pours a can on it and says like, oh, that was what I was feeling that day. And then someone buys it in France for a million dollars. So I want you to really realize that the world is created, the structures that be created so a lot of people are disempowered. What I want you to do is take your power back and I want you to make your own definitions and this is the other thing, like to me, like running is an art, sport is an art, like the way you breathe is an art, the way you treat other people is an art form, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, if, if you can put one foot in front of the other at a, at a slightly quicker pace in a walk, you're a runner. I don't care what you say, you might not be at the Olympics, but by definition, you're a runner, you're running. Mm -hmm. 
So it's like, stop letting definitions um, get in the way of you accessing your expression, parts of your creativity, your power, and realize that there's an abundance of tools inside of you and around you. And the, the idea that we are all artists and you don't have to be this flamboyant, this and that. It can just be how creative are you with your days? And this can, I want you to really, re really make this land as well as you can get creative with your relationships with friends, with your intimacy with a loved one. You can get creative with your relationship with your parents. You can get creative with anything you wish because everything that you're currently doing is a decision that's either like bringing you joy or not bringing you joy. So it's just like when you start making different decisions from a point of view of, oh, how could I be a bit more creative with this? You know, what's a task that like, for example, like showering is really boring for a lot of people. How can you bring some creativity to that? Is there a song you want to practice? Is there a, you know, do you want to rehearse a your day in the shower in your imagination? Do you want to just use it as a place to dance? Or do you want to be really present and use the soap and speak to your body and say, thank you, body, for, you know, doing that beautiful exercise yesterday. I really appreciate you for giving me life, mm -hmm. you know. You're, you're beating blood, you're pumping blood around my body, your heart, my heart's working without even me having to do anything. I can actually just work out what I want to do in my life. How often do you get creative and actually give thanks to your body? It's like we have choices in every moment of how we interact and create the reality that we experience. So that is what I want people to understand is fuck the definitions like it's it's just so old it's just so limiting and there is so much beyond it and on the other side that we are capable of and that makes our life so colorful and so rich and like honestly like you're living a movie and it can be whatever movie you want to see don't make the movie you think other people want to see how often do those movies do well in the world never it's the movies that want to take the risks that tell people and show people things they haven't got to witness yet, that's what you can do with your life. And you can be the example for other people and they can be like, whoa, she's living so freely and just so creatively, that's inspiring me. And so I guess that's that's what I have to say about how the fact that we're all artists. I just think it's, it's not even a discussion to me, it just is. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm gonna just go reassess my whole life right now. <laughs> no, I mean, that's just incredible. Wow. What is, before I have you tell everyone where they can find you so they can go listen to you speak to more people about this. Um, what is one thing that you're doing right now that is bringing more color to your life? A few things. So I'm detaching from outcomes. That's really fun. Getting out of my mind and just detaching from outcomes. And that's a really different creative way to live where you're not only looking at what is the outcome but you're there for the journey and then I'm also um, writing a film for the first time in a while it's a completely new idea that's adding a lot of color to my life um, I'm uh, reconnecting with my singing voice and that's really fun and I've got a live podcast event for my podcast and three weeks here in Austin and I'm going to do a performance there. So it's given me something to, I, that was another intentional voluntary discomfort. I was like, Oh, 
I'll perform in front of people. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, that's an edge. Okay, that that will make me connect with my guitar and my voice, and that's something I really desire. So, I just put that out there, and now it's happening. And I, if I don't learn the song, I'm gonna turn up and look like a fool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And even if I do turn up and it's a little imperfect, that's also okay. It's just the act of doing it in front of people and letting myself be seen in my artistry and in my expression so that's i guess what i'm doing at the moment to add color to my Mm. life putting myself out there in ways that maybe i'd normally hide from imperfect action better than no action i will stand by that for the rest of my life so well why don't you tell everyone where they can find you anything exciting that you want them to know about come hang out with me on instagram my personal account is um at cody matheson packer c-o-d-y-m-a-t-h-i-e-s-o-n-p-a-c-k-e-r so yeah just dm me if if anything resonated here i'd love to just chat and connect i love doing that with random new people um and also my podcast artist redefined uh is on all platforms uh youtube as well and we have instagram artist redefined yeah check out some episodes there's like everything i've been talking about about ways and tools to be the artist of your own life like every single episode is a different person with a different tool that you can creatively play with and we also have activities and process bonus episodes where it's like them running through a thing you can actually apply an action into your life so it's very much much more of a podcast that offers a kind of way where you can actually change your life rather than just listening and doing nothing with the information so mm-hmm. yeah please come come on to instagram and shoot me a message and um i'd love to connect thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the blue rose podcast if you guys are loving these episodes don't forget to subscribe on apple music and spotify you can also find me on instagram and youtube at becca blue rose where episodes are also released with video individual episodes with just me are released every tuesday morning episodes with guests are released every thursday morning i am sending you guys good vibes and we'll chat soon